right, kiddos, you can head on out back to your rooms. Have a good time. Go ahead and uh, pull out your Bibles and something you can take notes with this morning. Open up your Bibles to uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Uh, the verses aren't going to be on the screen, so you got to pull out your Bible today. Excited to be here. Like Sam said, way to go not being sick or not so sick that you couldn't be here today. I know there's a lot of that going around. Um, like Sam said, uh, we are going to be talking about our seat at the table offering this morning. We always take time this time of year to look forward to the end of the year and talk about our annual seat at the table offering. Um, what that is, is the way that we end the year financially together. We believe that it is a great rhythm to finish the year looking back, being thankful for all that God has done and being faith-filled for what God is going to do in the future and give financially into where God is calling us next year. So this morning, the point is to share some vision for that, why we do it, what is the point of giving to God financially at all. We'll do a little bit of a review of where we're at as a church financially. If that gets you excited, don't get too excited because we're not going in that much details. If you hate that, don't hate it too much. We're not going into that much detail. But you can ask follow-up questions if you want to. And then we'll be talking specifically just about what is it the Lord is putting on the heart of the leadership team here, the pastors and elders, uh, as we prepare for our seat at the table offering at the end of this year. If you brought a friend today and you're like, oh, money on the day I brought a friend, it's a great thing to learn what God has to say about money and how we don't let it rule our lives. Amen. So stand for the reading of the word of God, 2 Corinthians chapter 8. <clears throat> I'm going to read a few verses for us. 2 Corinthians 8, verse 1. We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty, what a paradox, have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord, and then by the will of God to us. Accordingly, we urged Titus that as he had started, so he should complete among you this act of grace. But as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness, and in our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also. Lord, we are so thankful for your word this morning. We're thankful to be together thankful for what you've begun doing in us, and I pray, Holy Spirit, for your leadership and anointing as I share here this morning. I pray that your words would be loud and clear. Anything that is not from you and to you would fade away, and that you would strengthen us in the power of the Holy Spirit. I pray that you would unify us by the Holy Spirit in the bond of peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Go ahead and take a seat. So our seat at the table offering, this is something we have done as a church since the very beginning. We had our first kind of public service September 11th of 2016, and we had our first annual seat at the table offering that uh, December, right around Christmas time. We call it seat at the table because it is a rhythm for us to come together at the end of the year as a church and recognize together, but also recognize individually 
Every single one of us has a seat at this table. We all have a part to play in this body and in this family. Sometimes people can think about year-end giving and they just think about people with extra money who need a tax break. But that is not what Seat of the Table offering is about. God makes clear to us in his word that where our money goes, our heart is sure to follow. And at the end of every year, it's already a time to reflect on the year that you are completing and spend time looking forward into the year that is coming. And we believe that it is just wisdom to tap into that tool of finances to capture our hearts and set ourselves in towards the Lord as we do that. We don't just want to run into the next year with uh, new New Year's resolutions and all of that sort of the stuff, but finances has this way of kind of hitting on every single thing in your life by hitting on this one thing. And that really is an amazing grace from God that he teaches us how do we interact with him with this lever that is hardwired into us that touches everything in us? How do we set ourselves towards him? Amen. So the year-end offering is not some obligation that we all step into. It is an opportunity to step into what God is doing. In some of the language, we'll get into this a little bit. When you think about seat of the table, I want you to think about um, these two ideas of being thankful, full of thanks as we look back, and faith-filled, filled with faith as you look forward towards the future. Because no matter what your year has looked like, there is a lot to be full of thanks for. God has provided for you. He has been good to you. He has been near to you. He has done good things. Every good thing that you have experienced or received this year has been a gift from the perfect Father in heaven. Has God been good to anybody this year? Do you have anything to be full of thanks for? And thankfulness is a choice, isn't it? There's so many things to be distracted by, so many things to be discontent with, disappointed in, scared of, anxious about. And it's not to say that none of those things are real. We just oftentimes need to be reminded that all the good things are real too. And if God has been good this year, as you remember that, I think you'll probably remember he was good to you the year before that too. And the one before that, and the one before that all the way back to the year before you were ever here and all the years before that. God is good because he's always, that's who he is. He's always been good. And there's something about looking back with thankfulness that stirs up faith for the future. It fills us with faith that as we remember God's faithfulness, not just yesterday, but the day before that, not just this year, but the year before that, not just in the situation I'm in right now, but the situation before that. He has proved himself faithful so many times in the past. He has showed himself good over and over and over again. And when I think on that, the things that I'm scared about in the future, anxious about in the future, nervous about in the present, seem to be put into right perspective. As I remember and am thankful for a God that has been faithful every day up until this day, it gives me faith that surely he will be faithful tomorrow as well. And the day after that, and the year after that, all the way past the years where I'm gone, 
and every year after that. We want to be a thankful people and a faith-filled people. So why do we do this offering? We do it as a rhythm of love to God. Why do, why, that, that is the reason why we give financially and then specifically why we do our seat at the table offering. We do it as an act of loving God with all of our hearts, all of our soul, all of our mind, and all of our strength. This indeed is the first and greatest commandment, is it not? Everything that we do, we want it to be in response and in participation and in fulfillment of the greatest and first commandment that God has given us to love him with our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And as I said, Jesus says that our hearts will be where our treasure is, and we don't have to take his word for it. You experience it every day. It's true of you today and yesterday, and it'll be true again tomorrow. The things that our money are focused on is where our heart is. That's not a bad thing at all. It's just true. It's just true that where our heart, where our treasure is, there our heart is. And it's also true that we can't love God while also loving any other master. Jesus is also really clear about this, specifically that we can't love God and also love money. God doesn't say that because money is bad or God hates money or you shouldn't have money. God says that because he knows how things work. God knows that the love of money is not far off from any one of us. I mean, he even says so. Where the money is, that's where our heart is. That's where our love is. We put our money towards the things that we love. If you want to know what you love, look at where your money's going. It kind of doesn't matter what you say you love unless your wallet agrees with you. Because <laughs> it's right. Isn't it? Every time, isn't it? It's right every time. So God has given us this great opportunity in his word where he teaches us so much about our finances. Not because they're scary, not because they're bad, not because money is evil and all of that sort of stuff, but because money is a great tool, but a terrible master. And he knows that we're all very susceptible to letting this tool become our master. And if we let this tool become our master, we will not be able to fulfill the first and greatest commandment. We will not be able to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength if we love money. So God, in his goodness, is trying to teach us and raise us and empower us and equip us. How do we fulfill this great commandment? It's not by getting rid of money and being scared of it and all that stuff. It's just by using it appropriately. Just like everything else in our life. We need to use it appropriately. And so money is nothing to be scared of. When we see it rightly, the way God does, we see that our money is actually an opportunity to... Uh, or it's a tool to use to fulfill this great commandment. We don't have to separate things, and there's money, and then there's godly stuff. We get to love God with our whole lives, including loving God with our money. Because it's good news that Jesus has overcome the world, and the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the grave lives in us. Amen? 
And so, yes, I can go off the rails by loving money, but I don't have to be scared of the love of money. I just need to follow what Jesus says, and he will keep me safe from the love of money, and he will keep me in the love of God. This is his will for me. This is his will for you. I want to share for a few minutes just about this, but this is not going to go too much in depth uh, because this is mainly going to be review from a, a message that I shared this summer. I think it was July 2nd. So if you want like more on this, go find the sermon from July 2nd. It's called Loving God with Your Money. It's about loving God with your money. So go, go find it, but I want to review a few things just because it's pertinent for today. God has given us three practices, three tools to help us stay free from the love of money, free from serving mammon. I talk more about that in the message so that we can love God with our money and be free to love him. So I want to cover very briefly these three things that God has given us, not necessarily just as some religious obligation that mean nothing, but as powerful, anointed graces from God that we get to step into as conquerors of over mammon, conquerors over the love of money, and disciples of Jesus who live lives loving God with all of our hearts, all of our soul, all of our mind, and all of our strength. The first tool and gift and grace that God has given us to help us conquer the love of money in our life is the tithe. We talk about this every week during give and take because we all think about money every week, which means we all have the opportunity to choose, am I going to love money with my money or do I get to love God with my life? God has given us the gift of the tithe. The tithe is not any and all money that you give to a charity or that you give away. The Bible teaches clearly that the tithe is defined as the first 10% of increase given to the house of God. So in our context, that would be given to the local church. Tithing is something that God has given for everybody to do, and it is the same for everyone. We give the first 10% of increase. What it is essentially is not really giving, the, the, the practice is I'm not giving to God what is mine, I'm giving back to God what is actually his. Believe that the tithe is actually something we return to God. It's actually not, a, it's not an act of generosity. It's actually a, a freeing act of obedience and of worship. All through scripture, we see this principle of the first, giving the first to God. It is always a good thing to give the first to God in all things. And the tithe is our first 10% because as with anything, giving the first takes faith. Giving the first of anything takes faith. When we give him back the first of our increase, we are acknowledging that God is the rightful owner and provider of everything, not just 10%. He is the owner and provider of everything. Everything comes from him. He is our provider. We are confessing that our lives are lived unto him, and we are returning back to him the first fruits of what he is providing for us. 
And when we do that, we are, we are showing our commitment to keeping faith first in God himself and not getting lost in the things that God provides, which really becomes getting lost in the things that I think I can provide. There are four important truths about tithing. These are lined out more fully in the message. Uh, the first three re relate to the vision of the tithe, and the last one is very practical. Four important truths about tithing. Number one is that it is permanent, not temporary. It's, uh, it's a permanent established rhythm with God is not temporary. Number two, it originated with Christ, not in uh, the law or in Moses. The third thing is that it draws us to eternal life. The tithe is not earning something from God. The tithe does not earn you the favor of God. It does not draw God uh, draw God's affection towards you, it draws you to eternal life. It draws you to Jesus himself and you to his kingdom. The fourth is very practical that the Bible teaches the use of the tithe. What's it for? It's for you to be free from the love of money, but it goes to the house of God. So what, what is it for? So for the fourth truth about the tithe is that the tithe is meant to be sufficient to care for those in the Lord's service. That's the primary use of the tithe. The tithe was always meant to go to the house of God. So again, for us, that means it comes into the local church. And the purpose of the tithe is not primarily to fund um, activities or initiatives or buildings or facilities or programs. But first, the tithe is for recognizing the validity of the service of those who have been set aside to work in the ministry of the house of God. It validates that and supplies for that. That's the first priority of the tithe. To put it really shortly, the priority of the tithe is to pay for people, not for buildings. So the main focus of our budget is paying people. We do our best to pay people as best we can and not be stingy. We believe that that is biblical. We believe it is uh, unbiblical to be stingy when you pay church people. So we pay people the best we can uh, without being stingy. This year, uh, one step we were able to take in this that we were really thankful for uh, was we took a, a step in our kind of monthly budget expenditures by giving some raises across the board to our staff to help with all the inflation and the economic stuff going on. And that has been a huge blessing to our team. We're really happy to have been able to do that this year. So I'm telling you that our main priority with the tithe is people. So real quickly, I want to just explain to you um, how we think about our budget as an organization, as a church, as a 501c3. You know, there's, sometimes there's different questions about that. So I want to tell you kind of our philosophy without going into tons of details. Uh, but there's, there's things you want to talk about sometime. We're more than welcome to ask those. But not everybody wants to talk about that. So we're going to try to walk that line here together. 
So as we are building our budget, what I mean by that is how do we shape our monthly expenditures, what we put our money towards as it goes out, as it pertains to the tithe that comes in. So we shape our budget around three main priorities. The first priority is people, and that is 70% of our monthly expenditures goes towards people. So that is payroll for our staff. That is anybody that we support outside of our church, be it missionaries or things like that. But the first priority with the tithe is to go towards people who are working in the ministry. So the, the biggest chunk of that is to our staff payroll. But then, like I said, also supportive people outside of the church. The second category, second priority that we, talk, that we think about is ministry budgets. So that is 10% of our monthly expenditures, which is basically just money that goes towards helping those people do the things that they're doing. Make sense? So obviously we are very heavy on the paying the people side of things. So the ministry budgets are a lot lower than that, but that reflects our belief that people are more catalytic than programs. And we try to focus our money towards paying people, um, not just having resources. So all that to say, we, we could have nicer things around here, but that would mean paying fewer people less. And so that's our trade-off, and we'd rather pay the people we have fairly and as well as we can than have maybe some of the coffee stains out of the carpet sometimes, as annoying as that is. The third category of our budget is facilities. So things like rent and monthly maintenance, and that is about 20% of our monthly expenditures. Uh, we, are, we also have some savings goals to have some savings. Anybody have savings goals? Please, everybody, raise your hand. Earlier this year, we had uh, gotten our savings goals to where we wanted them to be. We had been working really hard for about 18, 24 months to get to kind of a goal that we had set as uh, an elder team, and then it was time to add on the classrooms. So we paid a bunch of money to do that. So we still have some savings, but uh, it's not at the, the kind of the mark that we have set for that, but Again, we thought, let's actually use this instead of having it sit in the bank. We're very thankful for the new classrooms we were able to just open in October, and really fun. We didn't have to take up another offering for it, so it was like, hey, let's just let's do this. Let's get it done. And those rooms are great. So go check them out if you haven't. Um, as you'll notice, there's zero dollars that go towards debt or interest because we don't owe any debt, and we don't have any interest to pay. And we like that. That is very fun. That is a very fun part of that. So we're really thankful for where we are financially. We really like where our priorities are. We really like the percentages that those are at. And uh, from the, just from the tithes, from the tithe that comes in month to month, we are breaking even on our monthly operations, obviously with a heavy emphasis on paying and empowering people. And we have a little bit of savings. And that's a really good spot to be in. Praise the Lord. There's been years where we haven't been able to say that, and we've been honest about that, but we're so thankful that we are where we are. And just to be super duper clear, most of that is because of Jordan Wood and his diligence and his integrity and his intentionality 
and his work. And I am so thankful and proud of him. And you should be too. He is just such a gift for us. So the first tool that God gives us to conquer the love of money in our life and participate in loving him with our whole life is the tithe. The second is offerings. Offerings. So there's many forms of offerings throughout the Bible. They're kind of all over the place. Starting in Genesis 4, there's all kinds of different offerings for different things at different times and different ways. They're connected to feasts sometimes. There's all kinds of different special occasions. All that to say, there's not like a formula for the offerings. There's kind of a formula for the tithe, but then the offerings is like everything else for all the other reasons. So in the Old Testament, there was it was offerings, not tithes, that took care of the facilities. So the tabernacle was built through offerings, um, so much so that Moses asked everybody to stop. He's like, the building is too nice. We don't need more things. And he told everybody to stop. The temple was funded by the offerings of the king and his people and continued to support the maintenance of the temple. Offerings are in addition to the tithes. That's how the Bible lays it out. Um, Like I said, tithing is not really about generosity. Tithing is more about obedience and worship and love. Offerings are an exercise of generosity. So we read 1 Corinthians 8 this morning. It outlines that offerings are not defined by a given amount or a percentage, but there's four things, four main things that offerings come out of. You can write these down. Number one, offerings come out of an abundance of your joy. 2 Corinthians 8 says, offering comes out of an abundance of joy. That is why we encourage you every year for seat at the table to be thankful. Full of joy, full of thanks as you take time to do the spiritual discipline of reflection, which cultivates thanks, which fills you with joy. And the joy of the Lord is our strength. Oh, he just sets us up for a win, doesn't he? Look back this year on all the Lord has done. Don't just motor through Thanksgiving and Christmas and New Year. Stop for a minute. Look back on all the Lord has done. Number two, offerings come out of a testing of our faith. Every time we give, it tests our faith. It tests our faith in God, in his provision. Our faith in somebody's leadership or the calling of God on their life. It just tests you. It tests your faith. And that is a natural part of giving and natural part of offering. And that's why we encourage you every year for the seat of the table to be out of your thankfulness, to be faith filled, to be filled with faith as you look into the next year, not just what might happen in your own life, but remember God is good and he's always been moving and look at all that he included you in this last year. Look at all he did for you this last year. What might he do next year? What might you be able to participate in next year? What might he do next year? By focusing your finances on being filled with faith for what God is going to do next year and how you might be involved in it, you are focusing your heart on being filled with faith for what God might do next year and how he might involve you in it. Offering is a testing of our faith. Number three, offering comes from your means. Offering comes from your means. You give according to what you do have. You aren't obligated to give out of what you don't have. Praise the Lord. 
There isn't some formula for this. And as you've, if you've been around here the last handful of years, there's been years where we've had a, a goal for different reasons that we've set out for seat at the table because there's been specific projects or different things like that. But this is another year where there's not some specific dollar amount that we're going for. That's true corporately. And there's not some specific goal that you as an individual are obligated to meet because the offerings come out of our means. Everybody has different means. We, we give out of what we do have, not out of what we don't have. You know, everyone will give more than somebody and less than somebody else. If you've been here for the last few years, this may be a year where you give less than you've given in the past, and that's nothing to be ashamed of. It may be a year you give more than in the past, and that's not supposed to be some source of pride or even some... Um, accomplishment to impress God. You may give what you've always given, and that's great too. But we give out of our means. What we're looking for is what is the sum of your joy and your faith and your means? That equals offering. Not what I gave last year, and if I don't give more this year, God's going to be really disappointed. Fourth and finally, offerings are given as a choice. Offerings are given as a choice. Offerings come from a heart that is thankful and faith-filled. Offerings are not meant to come out of compulsion or guilt or obligation. The last tool that God has given us to conquer the love of money in our lives is giving to the needs of others. We talk about that a lot more in the other message, um, but that will sort of suffice as our brief overview of these tools that God has given us. As we move forward, I want to do a little bit of a review for you of what has happened in the past. We've done this every year. What has happened out of Seat at the Table? This Seat at the Table offering has played a massive role in all of our operations as a church. In our second year as a church, we had less than 100 people in our church, probably more like 60 and that group of people gave $300,000 to build out this building that you're sitting in right now. So every seat you've ever sat in, wall you see, sink you've used, thread of carpet you've ever stepped on, door handle you've touched, paint color you've seen, anywhere in this entire building, virtually every single speck of it is only out of seat at the table offering over the years. People gave for all of that stuff. How cool is that? It's so fun. Basically, every single thing, all the speakers, every cable, like all of it, did not come out of uh, a monthly surplus of the tithe. It was because people were full of thanks for what God had done. They were filled with faith for what he might do with them and with the little bit that they gave. And you get to benefit from it. You know, and you participated in that. So many of you did. It's so fun. So every addition, all the new classrooms that we've done, all the lighting, every single thing that's used back in A-Kids, week in and week out, if you see it or use it, it came from somebody giving it seat at the table. We have, that also means that we've been able to always do everything we've ever done with cash and don't have debt now and never have had a dollar of debt because people have been generous, full of thanks, and filled with faith through what they've given at Seat of the Table. Seat of the Table has also been the main driver of our Acts 2 fund 
which is something that we have as a church that's created for trying to help with financial needs of people in our church. One of the years, because of where different things are at, over the course of a year, we were able to give like $100,000 to different needs inside of our church over the course of the year. That was a unique year that hasn't been our norm, but every single month, every single month, because of Seat at the Table, we are able to help people in our church with financial needs that they have. A few years ago, it helped catalyze us back to financial health after a really, really hard 2021 which has been really encouraging. This year, like I said, because of seat at the table last year, we were able to make those increases because of inflation for our staff. And since we've made those changes, now the monthly tithes have caught up to cover that. So virtually everything that we have done for any individual in the church, um, especially any individual on our staff concerning developing them so that they can better equip you, Almost none of that has come out of tithes over the year. It's always been because people have been generous at seat of the table, and there's been able to, we've been able to have budgets for conferences for different people or trainings or different developments for people in their leadership, in their skills, in their competencies, in their capacities, in our team working together in a more unified way. All of that that we've been able to do has been because of seat at the table. So it's a big deal. It's been a big deal, and that gives me a bunch of faith for how big of a deal it might be in the future. If God's done all of that over these last few years, what might he do next? So what is on the radar for us looking to the future? I've said this before, but in the first few months of starting our church, God gave us a very clear instruction of our mindset to take the first 10 years of Antioch Indy to plant the church. I didn't know what that meant at the time, but it has served as a mindset kind of guidepost for us that no matter how big or small anything is, no matter how fast or slow anything seems to be moving, we just need to be faithful. Faithful to what God's calling us to, to plant the church that he has called us to plant. This September 11th was seven years since our first public service as a church. So what have we planted so far? After, the, after year five, the Lord spoke very clearly to us that the foundations had been laid of the church that he had called us to start. The foundation of our vision, we preach the gospel of the kingdom and we make others great. Jesus is our target audience. Our demographic is that we are a passionate people who want more of God. And we pursue the vision that he has lined out for us by living out our five values. Personal devotion, making disciples, life group, corporate gatherings, and life on mission. That's who we are. That's what we do. That's what God's called us to be. And that foundation has been laid. At the end of year six, God spoke to us that phrase, build the home. That was last year at this time, calling us to be a a people who build the home. We have been uh, repenting from the cult of self and returning to God's design for everything. There's the subtitle for the book I've been promising you that I have no idea when it will be done. But we, I told you this time last year that as part of this church, you are going to be built into and you're going to be taught and led for men to be men, women to be women, husbands to be husbands, wives to be wives, parents to be parents, and to disciple children who grow into men and women of God. That we're going to be a place that equips and mobilizes the family to live the mission of God together so that the, all the families of the earth might be blessed. We've tried to do that through the Build the Home series, and a book is coming one day in Jesus' name. 
So as far as I can tell, we've got three years left in this first assignment. This first kingdom assignment of taking 10 years to plant whatever it is that God's called us here to plant. This church isn't just supposed to do everything I just said locally as far as the vision and the target audience and the demographic and the values. Those aren't just for here locally in Indianapolis. We are called to build all of that for here, but we are also called to build that for the sake of exporting it elsewhere, exporting it into other neighborhoods, workplaces, cities, and nations. We are called to train and send. We aren't planting an organization that does those things. We are building a people who do those things. We are building a people who do those things here and export them elsewhere. Other spheres, other assignments in a reproducible way. So what that means is that if you are here and you call this church home, you are a church planter. You don't just come to Antioch Indy. We're not done planting yet. We are planting this church. You are part of it, which means you are part of the church plant team, which means that's kind of why it feels like that sometimes around here. There's always something changing. There's always something more we could get done. There's always something to work on because we're still in the very beginning phases of being and building what God has called us to be. There's always new growth to address. Something is always trying to be used for more than one purpose. And it's why you participating is consistently such a big deal. And that's never going to change. So as we look forward to this year to see to the table, what is this year's offering contributing to? This year's offering is just about contributing to planting this church. The next three years of planting what it is that God has called us to plant. The project is plant the church. That's what's in front of us. There are staff needs. There are ministry budget needs. There are building needs. And that doesn't even begin to scratch how many ideas there are out there. There are dreams. There are assignments floating around among you and the person sitting next to you and me and our staff and our elders and our pastors and the person sitting across the room. There's a lot of potential here, and we just want to seek God to know what, Lord, when, Lord, who, Lord, how, Lord. There isn't a specific dollar that we're aiming, a dollar amount that we're aiming for this year. We just want to be full of thanks and full of faith for where he's leading us. We are still planting this church. We want to, and I'm asking you and inviting you that if you are part of this church, as you think of seat at the table this year and what it's for, it is for planting this church. There is a lot to do. There are people to hire. There are things to empower. There is a church to plant. There are values to build. There are people to disciple. And whatever comes in, we're just going to do with it what we have been doing this whole time. We're going to preach the gospel of the kingdom and we're going to make others great. We're going to have Jesus be our target audience. We're going to be a passionate people who want more of God. And we're going to leverage everything we can to discipling the values of personal devotion, making disciples, life group, corporate gatherings, and life on mission into individuals who reproduce that as disciple makers into other people. 
We're going to keep our budget priorities the same. We're going to put all that money towards people in some capacity, ministry budgets in some capacity, and facilities in some capacity. We're going to pay people as best we can. We're going to support people as best we can. We're going to have to hire people as the years go by. There is so much to do, my friends. There is so much to do, and you get to be a part of it. We're going to hire pastors around our values who equip the saints in the work of the ministry. We're going to hire staff people who support our essential functions. We're going to do what we can to equip those people with the things they need to do the work that God has given them to do. And we're going to continue leveraging this building and any facility we have to squeeze everything out of it that we possibly can. That's what we're going to do with whatever comes in for Seat at the Table this year. So how can you participate? Number one, if you don't already, I encourage you to tithe. Secondly, give. Give to seat at the table. Take time over these next few weeks between now and December 17th to be full of thanks and filled with faith. Look back on what God has done this year. Ask him to put faith in you for what he might do in the future and how you can participate. Be filled with faith as you reflect on how God has been moving and including you in what he's doing. You aren't just a person. You aren't just a member of Antioch. You aren't just an attender. You are a member of the body of Christ. And God has given each one of us this opportunity to use this little temporal thing called finances to put our hearts into the eternal work and purposes of Jesus Christ. Some of you have had a challenging year financially because of so many factors. Just spend time praying. See how God would lead you. And all I will say is don't give nothing. For your own sake, don't give nothing. For those of you who have had an abundant year, I encourage you, be full of thanks and filled with faith for what God might do with the abundance he's provided for you. Be generous and be excited about your participation in his kingdom. We're going to give all together on December 17th during church on that Sunday morning. If you can be there and you've never been here for that moment, it is such a unifying and special time to be together. And as always, I encourage you to to be praying up until that day. And when that day comes, bring uh, cash or check for two reasons. Number one, it saves on pesky electronic fees. And second, it sure is fun giving all together during that moment. I want you to stand as we pray and end our time together. We're going to have our prayer team come up to the front. If there's anything you need in your life, prayer before you leave this morning, come on up. Lord Jesus, we're so thankful for every way that you have provided and are going to continue to provide for us in our lives. We thank you for the opportunity to love you with our money and participate in your kingdom, not just with our money, but with our whole hearts. We pray that we would be a people captivated by you and captured by you. Would you compel us through your love? Would you stir in us to to thankfulness as this year comes to an end. And would you, by your grace and the power of the Holy Spirit, give us the gift of being faith-filled as we look forward to the future. We bless your holy name, and we worship you this morning in Jesus' name.